0: Welcome back. Yeah, we've been waiting here for you. Welcome back to another edition of Sounds Like Radio. I am your humble host. We're here with the Great Gildersleeve once again. Oh, and a whole lot of good music. Today's Great Gildersleeve was originally broadcast September 26, 1951. Eh, eh, well now in this this episode, it seems Bronco has his hands full he yeah he, he he has his hands full with Marjorie now you might not think that's a bad thing to have your hands full of Marjorie but no uh-uh, not now because Marjorie has some bright ideas She's getting kind of tired of watching them babies. They cry a lot, you know. And Marjorie, well, she's all frazzled. She's frazzled, so she says, The best thing I can do to escape all these babies is to get a job. i got to get out there in the workforce where everything is beautiful. Eh, eh. Now, that may be beautiful for Marjorie, but what about Bronco? He... He he, he he married a girl uh, he didn't want no trouble he thought he had a nice girl and then suddenly he finds he has a girl who wants to get a job well all Bronco <laughs> all Bronco can say is I wish the old Marjorie was back I wish she was here again here is Burl Ives and I wish no wishing she was here again here's Burl
1: I stole that money for my baby I shot that man who shot at me She didn't even show up in the courtroom And I'm wishing she was here instead of me I ain't yellow But she's out there Running Fancy free A-lovin' up Some other feller, And I'm Wishing she was Here instead of me I stole that money for my honey I dressed her like a Christmas tree Now she won't even write a letter
0: She was here instead of me. You know, he has to do that because eh, He's stuck with the twins. Although I think he's gonna get a little help from birdie. Yeah She's gonna pitch in but still Bronco yeah, he wants Marjorie back on the job taking care of them little boys and that little girl I believe they have a little girl and a little boy taking care of them two little twins. Oh, Marjorie, where are you? That's what Bronco says. But he wishes the kids would look to him and say, because they're doing a lot of crying, and he wishes they'd look up to him and say, I won't cry anymore. You know, if that happened with with them little babies, if they told Bronco there that they're not going to cry anymore, he'd be happy. He could watch them then. He don't mind watching them as long as they're not crying. But when they start crying... Bronco just wishes they'd say what Dinah Washington says with her chorus. <laughs> She's got a chorus with her. Dinah Washington is here to sing I Won't Cry Anymore. That's one of those chorus people.
2: But here's one decision i made. I won't cry. Now that you've left me I won't cry anymore Now that you've gone Now that it's got to end No tears could ever mend a broken heart I won't sigh anymore No, I'll just forget you Or I'm closing the doors of memories Although you're the one you love My arms are yearning for me.
3: Baby,
2: baby this is goodbye and I won't, cry I won't cry anymore
0: Now is that a promise That's, that's what I want to know That's what Bronco he wants to know Okay babies is that a promise you ain't going to cry no more yeah, I don't think Bronco should count on that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a hassle, you know, having them babies, but they're so cute, you kind of forget all the trouble they are when you get to squeeze their chubby little arms, kiss their chubby little cheeks, see how cute they are when they laugh or smile at you. Well, <laughs> you know, all them bad things that go along with babies like crying and changing diapers, Eh, they sort of fly out the window when compared to squeezing that little chubby arm. <laughs> oh, eh, that's what I like chubby babies with chubby arms and chubby cheeks. Well, eh, well, now now that uh, Marjorie's decided to, to be independent and get a job, ugh, eh, I don't like it. But anyway, Bronco doesn't like it either. I, I think a girl should stay home and take care of her kids. That's the best thing for the kids. And the best thing for the household. Eh, Man, Marjorie, maybe she'll learn a lesson. Eh, Until then, though, Bronco, he's going to have to say just just like Bing Crosby says, I guess I'll have to change my plans. Here is Bing Crosby.
3: Ah.
4: I guess I'll have to change my plan. I should have realized there'd be another man. I overlooked that point completely until the big affair began. Before I knew where I I found myself upon the shelf, and that was that. I tried to reach the moon, but when I got there, all that I could get was the air. My feet are back upon good ground. I've lost the one girl I found. I guess I'll have to change my plan. I should have realized I'm gonna be another man. I overlooked that point completely. Before that big affair began, my boiling point is much too low for me to try to be a flat very old I tried to reach the moon, but when I got there, all my feet are back upon good ground i lost the one girl she was a good girl i lost the one girl i found
0: oh my poor bing he lost the one girl he done found me you know while listening to that song I had an inspiration. I thought, why don't we have a a bing bonus right now? A two for one, a bing double play. You know, the kind of girl Bronco wanted and thought he married was a nice, nice, quiet girl who just would enjoy Bronco's company, not the man that go on out and get a job. Yeah, he thought he had a A beautiful quiet girl Just like Bing Crosby likes Here's Bing to sing The Quiet Girl
4: I love A quiet girl I love A gentle girl Warm as Sunlight Soft Soft Her smile, a tender smile Her voice, a velvet voice Sweet as music Soft, soft as snow When she is near need no words. She sees, she knows. should
0: Where is that quiet girl anyway? <laughs> That's what Bronco would like to know. Hey, yeah, Marjorie? She used to be a nice quiet girl. That is when she wasn't yelling. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you can't be quiet all the time. Hey, uh, that was the great Bing Crosby. Wasn't that a neat song, Quiet Girl? I I wasn't planning on playing two Bing songs for you, but listening to that first one put me in the mood for another Bing and... I thought Quiet Girl would go perfect with today's show. Speaking of today's show, it's time for The Great Gildersleeve. This broadcast originally heard September 26th of 1951. Let's listen and find out. With Bronco uh, wanting uh, his wife to stay home, Gildersleeve, he's really caught in the middle on this one. He's trying to appease everybody. and. Uh, And you you know what happens to the guy in the middle. He's the first one to get clobbered. (laughs) Well, let's listen now to the Great Gildersleeve here on Sounds Like Radio. I am your humble host. And now, the Great Gildersleeve. The Kraft
5: Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you partially transcribed by the Kraft Foods Company. And Kraft, you know, makes the famous pasteurized processed cheese food Velveeta. Enjoy the cheese food of top quality Velveeta, made only by Kraft. It's evening at the great Gildersleeve's house, about the time when things should be settling down. But when there are active twins in the house at the Explore, Reach, and Pull Over Everything stage, it keeps a young mother pretty busy.
6: Be still, Linda. How can I get you into your (coughs) night? Uncle, you'll have to keep an eye on Ronnie. I have my hands full.
7: Yeah, all right, Marjorie. Just a minute.
6: (coughs) You'll have to put down your newspaper. He's under the coffee table.
7: Good, then we know where he is.
6: Ronnie, don't touch that.
7: What's he after?
6: Your cigar. Oh,
7: Ronnie, give me that. Let go. Well, you can't have it. Cigars stunt your growth. Look at me.
6: They're into everything, Anki.
3: Yeah, they're cute.
6: Now, Linda, you sit here in the middle of the floor while I take care of Ron. Now, where's his nightie? Ronnie, what did you do with it?
7: He was trying to stuff it in Bronco's hat a moment ago.
6: <laughs> oh, for heaven's
7: sake. <laughs> now, Margie, perhaps he's planning to go out this evening.
3: <laughs>
6: <laughs> Uncle Mort, this isn't funny. If you had to put twins to bed every evening, they're little night owls. That's what they are. Linda, don't touch the piano scar.
7: Yay! Hey, you can't pull yourself up by that. You watch the bass
6: now see what you did
7: yeah anyway it didn't frighten her <laughs> oh my goodness yeah I'll pick up the pieces
6: I just don't think I can take it much longer Bronco I don't know why the mother has to do everything now Marjorie Bronco Tommy. Oh, what is honey Bronco Thompson can't you take a little responsibility for these children me well, yeah
8: sure
7: Why? Bronco, their mother's having a little trouble this evening.
8: A little trouble? Oh, Marge, I'm sorry. I guess you've had a tough day. Come on, you two. Daddy will take care of you.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Bertie!
8: It's bedtime for the twins, Bertie. You take one and I'll take the other.
6: Will you, Bertie? Yes, ma'am.
8: Marge is a little tired.
6: Well, Miss Marge, you just relax. Oh, thank you, Bertie.
9: Come on, Ronnie, you plump little old dumpling. Let's go count sheep.
7: Ah. (laughs) Cha-cha, Ronnie. Good night, Linda. Here we go. Ah. See if you can get them to sleep, Bertie.
9: Oh, that won't be no trouble. Bertie will have sheep jumping over the fence just like twins. Two at a time.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a relief.
4: Uh,
7: That's right, my dear. Kick off your shoes and put your feet up here on the ottoman. You care for a part of the paper? Society section?
6: No, thanks, Hunky. Let me see the classified section.
7: The classified section. Yeah, Here you are.
6: Thank you.
7: You and Bronco still looking for a second-hand sewing machine?
6: Well, right now I'm looking for a job.
7: A job? Marjorie, you're not serious.
6: Yes, I am. I've definitely made up my mind.
7: No, my dear. Did the events of the evening have anything to do with your decision?
6: Of course not been thinking about going to work for some time.
7: You have? But Marjorie, Bronco makes a good living.
6: But we can use the extra money. After all, we have a family. And someday we want a home of our own. One salary doesn't go far these days, Unky.
7: Yeah, you have a point there. Uh, what about the babies?
6: Well, they sleep most of the day and Bertie's so wonderful with them.
7: <clears throat> yes, of course you can depend on Bertie.
6: Think how much it had helped Bronco, and the things we could do for the twins.
7: Well, Marjorie, I admire your desire to contribute to the little family, but...
6: I studied typing and shorthand in college. It's a shame to throw all that away.
7: Yes, well...
6: I get excited I... just thinking about it. Think how much it'd mean to us.
7: you right, George Marjorie. I admire your pluck. If that's the way you feel, you have my blessing.
6: Oh, thank you, Uncle Mort.
7: It's your life and Bronco's, my dear. Whatever you two have decided is fine with your old uncle.
6: Oh, um... I haven't mentioned it to Bronco yet.
7: Yeah, you're old Uncle e. You haven't mentioned it to Bronco yet.
6: Oh, he's coming now. I'll talk to him. Well, everything's
8: calm again, Marge.
7: That's what he thinks. It's just a calm before the storm.
6: <laughs> Honey, sit down here by me.
8: Uh, I don't know a better place. Well, I guess I'd better leave you two alone.
6: Uh, no, you stay here, uncle. Uh,
8: what's going on?
6: Bronco, I was just telling Uncle Mort... I've decided to go out and get a job.
8: What's
9: this?
6: I'm going to help out with the money. I'm going to be a secretary. A secretary? You, my wife? Uh
8: huh. You see, Bronco. I forbid it. Hey,
6: what's going on? Now, wait a minute, Bronco. What does he forbid? What's going on here?
7: Here, I right, let you and I keep out of this.
6: I don't know what I'm in. (laughs) Marjorie, I forbid it. Well, Uncle thinks it's all right. He gave me his blessing.
8: Mr. Gildersleeve, did you do that? Well, Bronco.
6: Hey, what's Unc's blessing? Regardless of your uncle,
8: Marjorie, of whom I'm very fond, you're not going to do it.
6: What isn't she going to do? Bronco, darling, I am going to. What is she going to do?
8: I can support my family. I can pay the bills. Marge, your place is here.
10: Is she leaving him?
7: No, Leroy, it's just a silly
10: discussion. What's so silly about a man wanting his wife in his home? Well, you're right, Bronco.
6: Uncle Mort, not two minutes ago you said what a help I would be.
7: Well, that's right too, Marjorie.
6: What's going on? Who's right?
7: I don't know. I'm getting out of here. (laughs) So, that's why I had to get out of the house, Judge.
8: It must have been quite uncomfortable for you, Gildy.
7: I never should have taken sides. I got trapped right in the middle.
8: Well, it's hard to keep from getting trapped with a middle as big as yours. (laughs) Judge, please. This is a family crisis. Now, Gildy, you're exaggerating. It needn't become a crisis at all. Yeah, you don't think so? Gildy, if I were you, I'd give Marjorie a job. Give her a job? Me? Your secretary is on vacation. Ask Marjorie to take her place for a while. Say, that's an idea. It won't last. We all know Marjorie is a natural homemaker. You bet. She'd never be happy away from the twins. Well, at the time she made her decision, she was probably annoyed with her daily chores. As the saying goes, man works from sun to sun, but woman's work is never done.
7: Why, George, I'll get Marjorie to go to my office tomorrow morning. You think it'll work, Judge?
8: Well, Gildy, if you want her to become bored with office work, I can't think of a more boring office.
7: (laughs) Watch it, Judge.
6: But I really want a permanent job Your secretary will be back next week
7: Well, Marjorie Consider it a little refresher course You can start today Today? Sure Yeah, I told you last night But you'd gone to bed when I came home
6: Oh, that's wonderful I'll take care of the twins Then get dressed in a hurry And go down with you
7: Well, there'll be a lot of work to do I run a busy office You better eat a good breakfast
6: Oh, I'm too excited to eat
7: Say, speaking of eating Where's Bronco?
6: be down. He's upstairs sulking.
7: Well, I'll talk to the boy. I'm sure he'll go along with my idea.
10: What's everybody so happy about? Well, good morning, Bronco. Oh.
6: Good morning, darling. Don't you have a kiss for your little wife? Well... Anyway, I have one for you, because you're the most understanding husband in the world.
8: Oh? Why?
6: I'll be ready in a few minutes, Uncle. Uh,
8: what goes on here? Hey. Mr. Gildersleeve, I smell a plot. Yes.
7: It's like this, Bronco. Since Marjorie thinks she wants to go to work, I decided the thing to do is
8: let her start in my office. Your office? Mr. Gildersleeve, I am unalterably opposed to my wife taking a job. But, Bronco, don't you see? The water department will drive her crazy. It apparently has its effect on people.
7: (laughs) You bet. And I fix it so that before the day is out, margie you'll never want to see another office. Oh? Listen, my boy, listen. I'm going to pile on the work. Yeah, I know it's a sneaky thing to do, but the result, it'll be worth it.
8: Well, it'll be worth it if it gets this silly idea out of her head. Sure, can't miss.
7: I'm going to pour it on. I'm even having all the jolly boys call the department and make fake complaints. Peavy, Floyd, the office is going to be in bedlam.
6: Hey, what's going on? it
7: <laughs> will start jumping at 9 o'clock.
6: What? gonna start jumping.
7: Good morning, Leon.
6: Hi, what's gonna start jumping?
8: Mr. Gildersleeve, the plan might work.
6: What plan might work?
8: you glad you agree, Rocco? Yes, sir. That's pretty clever.
6: What's pretty clever?
8: You meet
7: me this afternoon outside the office. Yeah, I'll be there at a quarter of five.
6: Why are you gonna be there at a quarter of five?
7: Yeah, the boy, Rocco. I want you to be present when Marjorie throws in the sponge. Mr. <laughs> Gildersleeve, I have to hand it to you.
3: Who's throwing in a sponge?
7: Now, Leroy, this doesn't concern you
6: Okay, so it doesn't concern me Things are going to start jumping Meet me at a quarter of five Throw in the sponge But I don't get in on it (laughs) Big deal (laughs)
10: Well, Mr.
7: Gildersleeve, I'm right on time Yep Quarter to five. Let's sneak into the outer office and check on our little working day.
8: <laughs> I tried to call your office today to see how Marge was getting along, but the line was always busy. Yeah, that's the way I had it planned. The Jolly Boys
7: have been great. Good old PB phone to put in a complaint about the service. Chief Gates even had a couple of his trustees call from the jail. Good for Chief Gates. Yeah, and Floyd, the barber's been calling all day using assumed names. There's the phone now. Summerfield
6: Water Department.
7: I guess we'll have to wait, Bronco.
6: Uh, just a moment. I have the figure right here. September 1st, the water level at the reservoir was 45 feet. As contrasted with 38 a year ago.
7: Say, I didn't know that.
6: Excuse me, the other phone is <laughs> ringing. Oh, all right. Goodbye. The Summerfield Water Department.
0: Boy, is she busy.
7: Yeah, what did I tell you?
6: You say Mr. Gildersleeve hasn't taken care of that? to it right away. Well, he's out of the office a lot. Mm. I'll see that he gets the message. Thank you for calling. Goodbye. <coughs>
8: oh,
6: well, what can I do for you two gentlemen?
8: Marge, aren't you ready to go home? You had a hard day, my dear?
6: Oh, I've been busy, Unky, but I love it. <laughs> you do? I took care of all the correspondence on your desk.
8: Say, you did?
6: Uh huh. And the phone has been ringing constantly. It's been more fun.
8: Mr. Gildersleeve, she says she's been having fun. Yes, well,
6: I. And Unky, your barber, Mr. Munson, has been so cute. He's called five times making complaints. Each time he gave me a different name, but I recognized him every time. <laughs> <laughs> Mr.
10: Gildersleeve, what have you done to my happy home? Hey, now, Bronco, I.
7: Oh, excuse me, I'll get this one. Water department. Lloyd, get off the line.
5: <laughs> the great Gildersleeve will be back in just a minute. Time to get fall wardrobes ready. And, of course, time for the youngsters to go back to school. And to you, Mother, back-to-school time means fixing really nourishing lunches to carry those youngsters through busy, energy-demanding afternoons. So if you don't have Kraft's famous pasteurized processed cheese food, Velveeta, on hand right now, let me suggest you get some the very next time you shop. Velveeta is so nourishing, it's just the cheese food you need to slice or spread for hearty hot or cold sandwiches and to melt for its smooth cheese sauce. Velveeta is rich in those important food values from milk that every member of your family needs, especially the youngster's. And Mother, Velveeta is one cheese food that's digestible, as digestible as milk itself, so even your little tots can enjoy it. And believe me, every member of your family will enjoy Velveeta with its grand, rich, yet mild cheddar cheese flavor. So make delicious Velveeta your handy helper, Mother, and make sure your youngsters have the benefit of a lunch that's not only good-tasting, but hearty and nourishing, too. Get Velveeta from your grocer next time you shop. Just be sure you get genuine Velveeta when you buy. Remember, Velveeta is the quality cheese food made only by Kraft. So be sure you choose the yellow box with the blue letters that spell Velveeta. the customary harmony in the water commissioner's household seems to be at ebb tide. When Marjorie wanted to take a job and her husband Bronco didn't want her to, somebody had to step in with a solution. And who'd think the great Gildersleeve would come up with a plan that
7: wouldn't work? Hey, Bronco, I did everything I could to make her dislike working at the office. Yeah, I thought this would be just a passing fancy. Actually, I think Marjorie's place is in the home the same as
8: you do. Mr. Gildersleeve, I'd rather not discuss it. Bronco, where are you going? I'm going for a walk and cool off. Mm-hmm.
3: Youth.
9: Miss me, was that somebody coming in or going
7: out? Going out, Bertie. Bronco. Yes. Sir. What's Marjorie doing?
9: She's upstairs having a fine time putting the babies to bed.
7: Tonight, I thought she'd be bushed.
9: Yes. Sir.
7: Bertie, I have to think of some way to get things on an even keel. Yes, sir. Of course. I don't know why I'm worried about it. It's their problem. I did my part.
9: You sure did.
7: (laughs) I had no way of knowing, Mars. You'd like the job.
9: No, sir.
7: I'm not infallible. No, sir. I'm no miracle worker. No, sir. (laughs) Might be a good idea if I went to bed and covered up my head.
3: Yes, sir. (laughs)
7: George, I've got to get Marjorie out of my office somehow today. Yeah. A little uncomfortable at the breakfast table this morning. I never saw a son-in-law with such a cold, fishy eye. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of Peavy's Cokes will give me a lift.
11: Hello, Peavy. Yeah, hello, mister. You What can I do for you this morning? Yeah, I'll have a Coke, Peavy. Yeah, well, I'll give you an extra large squirt. Why is that, Petey? I imagine you need it, Mr. Gildersleeve. I take it you're having a little trouble with your son-in-law. You have a tempest in the teapot, Petey. Bronco dropped in here last night and the pot was boiling. (laughs) Who?
7: What did he have to say?
11: Really one, know?
3: Well...
7: No, Petey. Yeah, I realize Bronco's upset with me, but deep down in his heart, he knows I want to do the right thing. The boy has a great respect for
11: me. No, I wouldn't say that. (laughs)
7: Maybe you'd better tell me what he said.
11: Well, he said if Marjorie wanted to take a job and make the money, he just might give up his. Peavy, he didn't. He did, too. He said he was going to spend the morning in the pool hall. Oh, my goodness. And this afternoon, he thought he'd drift out to the college and watch the football team practice. Yelper, he can't do that, Peavy. It might not hurt, Mr. Gildersleeve. You know, sports are a fine thing to get a man's mind off his troubles. I was a great football fan myself when I attended Pruitt Pharmaceutical College. That's uh, my I'm a mater, you know. Yeah, I know, Petey, I know. I wouldn't want this to get out, Mr. Gildersleeve, but I I used to be a cheerleader. Oh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Megaphone and everything. <laughs> I used to stir them up, I'm here to tell you. They called me Pepper Peavy.
3: <laughs>
11: Pepper Peavy. Yeah, that name hardly fits now. No, I don't know. With a vivo, with a vivo, with a vivo, vivo, bum. Yo, Johnny, get a rat trap bigger than a cat trap. Johnny, get a cat trap bigger than a rat trap. Beavey. Cannibal, Six sick, boom, bah, poor pharmaceutical, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> Phew, I'm glad that's over. No, it isn't. Uh, we bo- followed that with a double locomotive. He, her, you, I... Phoebe, I... Phoebe, stop. Okay, oh, well. <laughs> I can frame me so you don't care whether Pruitt wins or not. Pruitt, phooey. Goodbye, Pepper, Phoebe.
7: <laughs> By George, I'll settle this thing once and for all. Yeah, I'll just go in the office and tell Marjorie to go home. Tell her she isn't working out. No, I couldn't say that to little Marjorie. Why don't I just tell her the truth? That Bronco's a bum. He's just going to walk the streets and let her support him. Yeah, I'll bet that'll make her scoot for home. Uh, Marjorie! Oh, what is it, Uncle? Uh, Marjorie, in the best interest of everyone concerned, I think you better give up your job
6: enjoying every minute of it.
7: Well, I hear from a reliable source that if you insist on working, Bronco's going to give up his job.
6: Oh, he's sulking again, is he?
7: Yeah, Margie, if I were you, I'd let him have his way.
6: Uncle Mort, I love Bronco dearly, but that's the trouble with him. His parents have always let him have his way. And I won't tolerate a spoiled husband.
7: You will, my dear? Let's look at it this way. Which way? You As a matter of fact, my dear, and this is difficult for me to say. I must be brutally frank. Yes, Anki? Well, well, you're just not cut out to be a secretary.
6: Oh, I'm sorry, Anki. What have I done that's wrong?
7: Well, it's hard to put my finger on it. I know you've enjoyed pretending you're a secretary, but this is business we're running. Big business.
6: I thought I was doing all right, Anki. Yeah, I know that.
7: Most inexperienced people think they're doing all right when they aren't. You know how the mayor is. He's a stickler for efficiency. And I have to see that he continues to get it. He's been
10: pretty happy with the way I've run things. Am I interrupting things? Yeah. Hello,
6: Hello, Mr. Mayor.
10: Gildersleeve. Marjorie, do you have those letters ready for me? Letters?
6: Yes, Mr. Mayor. Here they are in triplicate.
10: Ah, thank you. Oh, beautiful typing.
6: Oh, thank you.
10: My secretary was a little rushed, Gildersleeve, so I brought these down to yours. I had no idea that your niece Marjorie was here. Yes, well, just filling in, you know. Nonsense. I've had some wonderful reports about your department the past two days. You have? And that's unusual, Gildersleeve. (laughs) Well, Yes, and look at your neat desk. This is the first time I've been able to walk in and see whether or not you were behind it.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
10: that's very amusing, Mr. Right. Yeah. I've been thinking, Gildersleeve, if uh, Marjorie likes this job, we should keep it permanently.
6: Oh, isn't that wonderful, Anki? Oh,
10: yes, wonderful. Yes, indeed. Keep her around, Gildersleeve. Who knows? Someday we may have a lady water commissioner.
7: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's so funny about that? <laughs> Marjorie's taking care of all the work on top of my desk. Let's see what's in the do-it-now file. It's been done. I don't have anything to do around here.
6: Here are some letters for you to sign, Anki.
7: Oh, thank you, Marjorie. I was just looking for something to do. Marjorie, forget what I said about your work. The mayor's right. You're an excellent secretary.
6: <laughs> I knew you didn't mean what you said, Anki, and I do love it here.
7: Yeah, I know. But what about Bronco?
6: Don't worry about Bronco. He'll get over his tantrum.
7: Yeah, I guess so. He isn't so domineering. He lets you vote, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, of course, Ankie. Well, I have a little more typing to do. Is the water
9: commissioner secretary? In? Oh, hello,
7: Bertie. Well, Bertie.
9: Hello, Mr. Gilsey. Bertie was doing some shopping, so she stopped in to see our working
7: girl. <laughs> yeah, she's the pride of City Hall, Bertie. <laughs> yes, sir.
9: How are the twins, Bertie? Oh, they're fine. Mr. Bronco's home playing with them.
6: Oh, he's a dear. Excuse me, Bertie, I have to finish my typing. Yes, ma'am. I want to see you work
7: that typewriter. You know, there's plenty of time, Marjorie. It's only three o'clock.
9: My, my, look at her fly. You don't mind if I talk while you work, do you, Miss Marjorie? Oh, not at all, Bertie. That's good, because i got to get on back home. But I wanted to tell you how cute the twins have been today.
6: What have they been doing, Bertie?
9: Well, you know how little Linda's been trying to stand alone? Well, today she pulled herself up for the first time. She did? I caught her holding on to the door and peeping around the corner. I think she was looking for her mother.
6: Oh, Bertie.
9: Yes, and she sure is a smart baby. But she's got to go some to keep up with that little Ronnie. He's going to be saying words any day now. Bertie, he isn't old enough. Well, you ain't there to see what I see and hear what I hear. Today, he came mighty close to saying a word.
6: What did he say, Bertie?
9: It sounded
6: just like he said,
9: Mama. Mama? That's you. Too bad nobody else was around to hear what that cute little boy nearly said. <laughs> Excuse me, Bertie. Oh, I'm just having a picnic with them children, and I'm the only one that's seeing all the first things they do first. Why, they're the sweetest, cutest. You, Marjorie, where are you going?
6: Uncle Mort, you were right. I'm not a good secretary. Yeah, but Marjorie, I'm resigning, Uncle. You don't mind if I leave a little early?
7: No, of course not.
6: Oh, you've been wonderful. Goodbye, Uncle Mort.
7: Well, she got out of here in a hurry Yes, sir <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty clever of you, Bertie Getting Marjorie to go back home
10: Me? Yeah,
7: I'm on to you, Bertie I'll bet those twins slept all day They were trying to stand up and say a word Yes,
9: they were, Mr. Gilsley In fact, little Linda came mighty close to saying Ucky
10: Ucky? Hey, okay. <laughs> you wear <laughs> my hat
7: Mr. Gilsley, where are you
10: going? Bertie locked the office I'm heading
7: for home
5: Great Gildersleeve will be back with us again in just 30 seconds. Looking for a good food buy? Then get Velveeta, made only by Kraft.
10: Uncle Mark! Uncle Mark! Yeah, what is it, Marjorie? Come upstairs, Mr. Gildersleeve. Ronnie said a word. He did? He Hold everything. Here, I'm coming. Bertie! Upstairs,
7: quick. Ronnie's talking. I'm coming. What did he say, Margie? What did he say? Could you
8: understand him? I was just as plain. He said your name, Mr. Gildersleeve. What a brilliant child. Bertie, he said Uncle Mort. Oh, bless that little fellow.
7: Now he's going to say it again. Aren't you, Ronnie? Linda's watching you, see? Here he goes. Listen, everybody. Ronnie. Ah. Ronnie boy, who's this? Who am I? Tell them, Ronnie. That's life. <laughs> Good night,
3: folks.
5: The Great Gildersleeve is played by Willie Waterman. The show is written by John Elliott and Andy White and is partially transcribed. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Mary Lee Robb, William Randolph, Dick Fenner, Lee Keel, Stanley Farrar, Earl Ross, and Dick LeGrand. Musical compositions by Jack Meekin. This is John Heaston saying good night for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of those famous Kraft quality foods. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the further adventures of the great Gildersleeve. How can you make a sandwich that's just the way you like it? Easy. Take some bread, some good cold roast out of the icebox, Then add a touch of Kraft's prepared mustard. For when you add a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. Kraft's mustard makes a sandwich just right. Remember, there are two kinds of Kraft mustard to choose from. Kraft salad mustard, mild and delicately spiced, and Kraft mustard with snappy horseradish added. With either kind, when you add a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. Get Kraft's prepared mustard. Here your humble host, next on NBC.
0: Well, they have it friends. The great Gildersleeve leave here. On Sounds Like Radio, today's broadcast was originally heard September 26 of 1951, and we just heard it right now on Sounds Like Radio. Hope you enjoy the program. Looks like Marjorie, well, she finally came to her senses, realized them babies need her more than that job, and maybe she even realized that she needs those babies more. Then she needs a job. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm glad things worked out. Well, things always work out here. They usually seem to be on the great Gilders' leave. Because, you know, poor Marjorie, though, well, before she figured it all out, she thought that getting a job would be like, would, would be like being in paradise. Sort of like what Lee Wiley, yeah. Sort of like what she says here.
2: And then he holds my hand And then I understand His eyes are fire With one desire Then a heavenly kiss Could I resist? And then he dims the lights and he holds me tight. One kiss, one fond caress, a moment's trip to happiness. He takes me to
3: paradise. <laughs>
0: Lee Wiley and I like her voice but you know I think that song could be much improved by Lee Wiley if she had sung it slower you know that song is designed to be sung nice and slow and easy Lee Wiley has the voice for it I don't know why she decided to do a fast version maybe she's just trying to be jazzy and sometimes you can ruin a song by trying to be a little too fancy <laughs> Well, now, there's one guy who doesn't need to learn that lesson, and that's the great Dean Martin. He, he's here to sing about what he would do if he was Bronco, watching his girl go out to the world to get a job. He'd be just like them babies that he has to watch. He'd tell her, I'd cry like a baby if you go out and get a job. Here, here. here is Dean Martin oh i like the sound sort of a big band sound
4: i'd cry like a baby if you told me goodbye i'd feel like a snowball on the fourth of july if you ever said you were leaving for good I'd weep like a weeping willer, honest I would. I'd cry like a baby with a busted balloon. I'd let out a wail that would be heard through the moon. Our love was so splendid, don't end it so soon. Don't leave me here sighing, sobbing and sighing, crying like a baby for you. Bye. If you told me goodbye I'd feel like a snowball on the 4th of July If you ever said you were leaving for good I'd weep like a weeping willow Honest I would I'd cry like a baby with a busted balloon I'd let out a wail that would be heard on the moon Our love was so splendid, don't end it so soon. Don't leave me here sighing, sobbing and a sighing,
12: crying like a baby for you.
0: Oh, poor Dean, he's crying like a baby. Sort of just like the twins are crying. They're driving Bronco nuts with all that crying. I think Birdie can stand it best of all. She doesn't seem to be too bothered by it. Yeah, but crying babies, uh, they do bother me. So I I, I would think they would bother Bronco too. Yeah, well, uh, Dean Martin says, I'd cry like a baby if you babies keep on crying. You know, I think maybe Dean has sympathetic pains. Don't they call it sympathetic pains when you cry when you see somebody else crying? <laughs> oh, well, now maybe one of them babies is going to be named Joe. I don't believe I've heard the end of this contest they're holding the name the twins. Did they ever name them? Well, right now I don't remember if they did or didn't. And if they did name them, I don't remember what the names were. I think they were weird. Yeah. Anyway, if one of the babies is named Joe, Dean can turn to that baby and say... Just like Gordon Jenkins and uh, who sings this? Oh, Betty Brewer and uh, and her chorus. Betty Brewer from the Gordon Jenkins Band sings, Don't Cry Joe. Don't Cry Joe. Listen to her, Joe. Uh, might do you some good. Yeah, Betty Brewer and a chorus with her from the Gordon Jenkins Band. You know, he did some a lot of records on his own aside from arranging other people. You know, he used to, boy, he was, I think he was most famous for doing great arrangements for singers like Frank Sinatra and uh, Nat King Cole. But he also made his own records, and that was a sample of one of the records he did for himself. Under the old Gordon Jenkins name himself. <laughs> oh, well, friends, that's going to do it for today's Great Gildersleeve Adventure. Well, but I thought, you know, we have to have an extra. We have to have a bonus. Oh well, We, we kind of had a Bing bonus, but this is a, a song that I like that has nothing to do with today's show. It's a song that, i tell you the truth, I I sing along with this song. It's so catchy, I find myself singing it even when it isn't playing. Here is a real great country sounding song. I love the twanging guitars. Here is the great Big Al Downing. A great song that I remember hearing back in the 80s called Bring It On Home. Oh, listen to that. Listen to them twanging guitars. <laughs> Big Al Downey is on the scene.
12: When you're tired of all the cheating and the lying things you do, all the cheating situations you've got yourself into. All the bright lights and the ballroom And the backstreet rendezvous When you need someone to love you Here's one thing that you can do Just bring it on home come back A lonely room in Dallas, where the neon lights shine through. When all of your tomorrows turn into yesterday, and you walk the streets for money, that's the only game left to play. Just bring it on home. Give me, darling, I need you. Please come back into these empty arms of mine. Just bring it on home. Just as you planned, here I am, a lonely man, and yes, I'll take you back and love you one more time. Just bring it on home, Jimmy, darling. On home, will you, darling? I need you. Just take you back and love you one more time. now,
0: now you see, that is a real. Country song, you know, I don't really, I really don't like the way they do country music today because it isn't country music, it's pop, pop schlock. It doesn't sound like country music anymore, but when you hear them twanging guitars like that, and when you hear them violins like like you hear on the Gene Watson songs, you know. You know, now that's a country song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Big Al Downing, a song I find myself singing quite often. Bring it on. Huh? Oh, i got to get myself out of, out of this mood because it's time to say goodbye for Sounds Like Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Heard from the great Gilda Sleeve from an episode, uh, let's see, September 26, 1951. Heard a lot of good singers. Dean Martin, Dinah Washington, Betty Brewer, Ben Crosby, Burlives, a double Bing thing, Burlives, Big Al Downing, and Lee Wiley doing a sort of a weirder version of Paradise. I wish Lee could have re-recorded it slower. Hmm. You know, if, my, if I examined the Lee Wiley library, maybe, could, perhaps, maybe I could find a slower version of her doing Paradise. If I could, I'd play it for you. Well, anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. We hope you enjoyed our Sounds Like Radio for today. Until next time, I am your humble host here on Sounds Like Radio. Until then, so long for now. Thanks for listening, everybody, and goodbye.